From Phil's Speed Tech comes a weekly digital series where he shares his insights, concepts, and findings learned during his 15-year journey of working in the entertainment industry. Each lesson offers you a roadmap to overcome the challenges that all artists face on the path to success. Welcome to Phil Speed Tech Podcast. Hello, I'm Phil Speed Tech, 360 Creative Coach. And for this episode, I'm joined by my friend, Will Abels, who I've known since college, although I haven't really seen him since college. And one of the ways in LA, at least, we like to catch up is to do a podcast. And Will's joined me for a couple of episodes this week. Uh, and right now, while we've gotten to know him in little spurts, I really want to focus on your life, what you've been doing, uh, you know, before college, college, post-college, maybe maybe we'll skip the college years. Uh, we, we can skip the college years. You know, <laughs> that can go nuclear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, for context, you're a comedian, mm-hmm. uh, among other things, as we all are, but primarily a comedian. And now you're essentially kind of, I would say, shifting into sixth gear of comedy. Yeah, doing my best to, at least. And, yeah, so, I, I mean, you know... Uh, I'll set the stage and you can kind of take it from there as far as like, so you've been in New York for a while, mm-hmm. um, been touring various places, but now you're thinking about moving uh, to see the opportunity, but still would be touring, correct? So that's that's kind of what the next six months uh, is going to be all about. Um, I left New York on January 8th and I was on the road from January 8th until February 2nd, getting myself out to Los Angeles, uh, toured through Pennsylvania, Maryland, uh, Georgia, Florida, New Orleans, Louisiana, <laughs> uh, Texas, and then all the way through Texas, and then and this is you driving. It's just me driving. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first that's, half of the tour, I knew crazy. Yeah, it was it was a little nuts. Um, the Maryland and PA portion was about ten days, and I I'm from Maryland originally, so I toured with a a comic, and we stayed with my parents for a portion of it, and we were able to drive to and from some of the shows and just crash my parents, and then I was lucky that the rest of the tour I. Pretty much knew every someone in every single city, except for Marfa, Texas. That was one of the only ones I didn't know anybody. I didn't even know Martha, Texas existed. Marfa, with an Marth, Marth, Marfa. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a very interesting town. Um, had a really fun. I did a saloon, so I could say I performed at a saloon in West Texas, and I didn't know anybody in Tucson or Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So those were the only. But those were the last three days. So I was pretty fortunate to be able to crash with somebody, or just at least have a friend that I could hang out with in most of the cities, which was cool. Um, are this from a comedy perspective? Like, are there differences in the various towns, various parts of the country? Like, how do you approach that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm lucky in that I've I've done the road for um, a couple years now, and so my comedy specifically is I do a lot of storytelling. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I do that in real life anyway, but that's that's uh, what I do uh, for my material. And so because I do a lot of storytelling, it's usually an experience that has to happen to me. So I talk about my family a lot, talk about dating a lot, uh, and it's fairly clean. So it does pretty well on the road because not all of us live in Brooklyn, you know. And mm-hmm. that's one thing that I, I, I value that I did get out of Brooklyn to um, not like see someone else's opinion, but you just uh, – it's just such a different world, you know. Yeah. And like going to a small town where – you know, people don't have uh, as many experiences as you might living in New York or LA or whatever it is. Uh, it was, it's fun to see the material hold up either with a Brooklyn audience or with uh, an audience in Marfa, Texas, where, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a very different lifestyle. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of why my, my material is geared that way. 
That being said, there are certain uh, markets I go to that I'm like, okay, well, that one specific joke definitely don't will, will not work. Or I have, uh, I did like a moose lodge once, and I was talking about a dating app, and I could just see the blank stares, you know. And, and so, did you have to kind of backtrack and explain like what Tinder is? And I just kind of took the hit. There were there were enough young people. They're like, I mean, this was a room of like 200 people, and there were maybe 15 under the age of, like, say 45. Mm-hmm. And so those 15 people knew what I was talking about. Everyone else just had no idea. And so I'd already started the joke, and I just, I just took the hit. I just let those 10 people laugh, 15 people laugh, and the rest just stared at me. But, you know, that's, and, that's comedy. But did you know, like, okay, okay, so I'm just going to take the hit with this one, and then it's going to possibly be smooth sailing? Because, like, in my mind, I, like, oh, yeah. I, w- I, would, I almost kind of think about it like, do you just stop right in the middle and be like, all right, everyone, take out your phones. We're going to download this app called Grinder. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then all of a sudden, all the guys are like, Wait, this is a fucking gay app? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, what the fuck? No, I usually have like a, I'll have like a quick line at the end where I like just, you know, I kind of make fun of myself for not being aware of you guys not knowing the apps. I'm like, yeah, this, you know, like, well, that one sucked or whatever it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I usually recover. But sometimes you, I mean, sometimes you can lose the audience and they just don't trust you anymore. And they're like, ah, well, we thought it was funny for the first two, but now we know he sucks. And they just don't want to give you a chance to like try and win them back. But when you do win them back, it's one of the coolest feelings. I feel like I feel like every comedy interview I've ever like listened to, they always talk about the idea that you have to like bomb first couple of shows because that sets you up. Is that true? I mean, comedy is subjective, and I think even being a comedian, you have your own ways of getting to the to like whatever your goal is. But I uh, I don't know. You learn a lot when you bomb. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like good to bomb right out the gate because sometimes I mean, so for me. The very first show I ever did was at Emerson. That's how I started comedy. It was when we were in college. And I was bombing the entire time. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for protecting us. Stop, stop, stop. Thank you for the commentary. Hey. <laughs> Everyone did their job. You did your job. Good job. And she got her little barking at the end. Um, let's just pick up uh, you starting at Emerson doing Okay. Whenever you're ready. They good? All right. Uh, so, yeah, I think everyone should bomb. Uh, and then, oh, so I, so I started. Your battery light is flashing. Just so you know, I don't know if that matters right now, but. It just matters if it shuts down. So just, okay. yeah. But it's still rolling? It's still rolling. All right, cool. Cool. Uh, so, yeah, so I started at Emerson um, when we were in college. And the first show I ever had, I was just bombing. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I did it was because uh, I had a roommate who was like, you should, you should try comedy. Like, you should try stand-up. And I was like, all right, well, this is my friend, so I'm going to take his advice. And I wrote what I thought were... Was uh, it genuine or was it trying to be like, hey, that was try genuine. it, let's it, see how no, bad you bomb. No, it was, gen- it was genuine. Um, but uh, I, I wrote like a bunch of one-liner jokes and they were terrible. And I don't really do too many one-liners now and they were all really, really bad. Were they cliche? Because I, I feel like... I, I find most artists when they start off like they're pulling like I, I remember from my writing I'm pulling every cliche in the book oh yeah they were they were bad they were bad jokes and so I'm just sitting there with silence my two roommates that were in the audience were loving it <laughs> but everyone else was just this was terrible so then I'm coming up on uh, I get the light and I was like man I, I that wasn't funny at all like and now I have to get off stage soon so I just started telling uh, a story and it was at that time the most popular story I had been telling my friends that everyone like seemed to enjoy and it did great. And like I got an applause break, and I was like, oh, I like this. Yeah. And so I did it a second time a couple months later, and I just told stories. And I just wrote stories, and I, I worked really hard on it, and it went really well. So, 
So okay, so okay. Uh, sorry, uh, I yeah. get ADD with this stuff. Yeah. So you kind of can look at comedy as far as like you know nowadays, like everyone just wants the punchline right away. And to me, when you say story, like it doesn't mean that it's not funny, but it takes longer to get to the setup yeah. and the punchline. Yeah. So like I, I don't know how how do you approach that with people's uh, waning attention span versus mm. you know like there's gonna be them having that trust in you that there's a funny bit coming yeah you just might have to wait 15 seconds instead of three well you throw um you throw some uh just you, you have your little lines that you throw in there throughout to kind of keep them going you know mm. it, you give them uh you give them the appetizers you know until yeah. they get to the main course essentially uh and that's just i don't know that's how i kind of talk in general so it wasn't too hard of a transition to figure it out but i also uh i i just studied other comics that do storytelling or they do long form jokes like top three um like well gary goleman uh like you, you if you watch gary goleman uh i mean i forget how long the actual joke is but i think his trader joe's joke is like 20 some minutes long mm-hmm. and it's one joke it's one story but it's broken into like maybe six or seven jokes on like an album like a breakdown Mm -hmm. and there's a point where you don't even realize he's been telling the same story for 20 minutes but it is one story it's just there's so many different things that happen he goes on little tangents and he takes you through different uh channels and everything uh but i would i would study that study him specifically um other storytellers i really like tom segura he's he does the same thing um not quite to that extent like he has a lot of stories but they're not uh gary goldman loves words like he really loves words and and so i've always tried to emulate that uh, and then uh, Mark Maron, he's pretty, he's pretty mm-hmm. good about telling stories and, uh, you know, very different styles, very different comics, but I, you know, I would watch them and figure out, okay, how does he do 20 minutes? And it's, you have to give them appetizer, 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 but yeah. Goldman's also a, a master at it. So it's tough to try and do it like that. But that's, yeah, that's pretty much the long and short of it is you just, you give them little pieces and take them there. Yeah. No, uh, that's very interesting. And like, so I mean, you, you sort of were talking about, like, family relationships. Like, is that your primary pool of drawing for, for jokes? Yeah, or definitely. Or is there any, like, I don't know, do you talk about, like, life as a comedian on the road as well? Uh, a little bit. I have a couple of newer stories that I've been been telling, and it's... But they even though they're about being a comedian on the road, they're more about dating uh, mm-hmm. and just some stuff that's happened. But I talk about my brother, uh, specifically my brother Kevin, a lot because he's probably the funniest person on the entire planet and he's not trying to be he's just naturally very funny and i've just had a we're 12 years apart so he's older or younger 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 and so there's uh you know we're two different generations and we're in the same household and so he's really easy to pull from because you know growing up with a cell phone he cell phones existed he had it the entire time you know so dating for him is very different than dating for me and just he, uh, it's just, it's, it's kind of incredible. Like having conversation with, like he had to explain to me what TikTok was, <laughs> you know, we like did a TikTok video together and I was like watching him create the thing. And I was like, I'm never going to learn this, you know, are you, I, have you not learned it or that was just, I, I, I got so overwhelmed just watching him that I have not done it. So okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, don't fall behind the times. I, I know. Well, that's, that's happened already. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're too young for that, but Hey, that's just my opinion. I'm pretty good at it. Pretty good at it. Yeah. I want to go back for one second. You mentioned yep. your album, mm-hmm. uh, Things My Dad Regrets. Regrets of My Father. Regrets of My Father. Yeah, that's, that's a funny one too, though. Uh, yeah, the second album. Yeah. Um, although you are working on a second album. I am working towards a second album, yeah. That one, before we get to that okay, one. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> See, that's my, that's, that's my like, interview ADD. So let's talk, let's talk about the first album. Because, like, yeah. um, I mean, like, 
in a way, albums like used to be the thing. Mm-hmm. And now you kind of have Netflix. Also, like I feel like jokes get isolated on YouTube, maybe now on Instagram. Yeah. You were mentioning TikTok. Yeah. You're not a big TikToker guy. Maybe some people are posting your jokes on TikTok. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Just talk about the, the, the album and how do you view albums in this current comedy landscape? Well, I, um, I mean, it's fun. It was, it was funny because, uh, you know, in my bubble, most of my friends on Facebook, social and social media, all social media are comics. So mm-hmm. we are all doing albums, you know, and I, uh, the album kind of came about um, because, you know, Netflix isn't knocking at all our doors and some of us haven't earned that yet, you know, but you do work on these head, this headliner material and you want a way to share it. Um, and for prosperity reason, I would imagine, you yeah, know, for yourself. Or and sometimes you just want to retire material. Like, let's say you've been doing it for a long time. And I was at a point where the album was... what well, My album kind of came spontaneously. Uh, we were doing an um, anniversary show for a sh- uh, something, a show I call... Sorry. <laughs> a show that I run called Hey, It's a Comedy Show. Mm-hmm. And we were doing the anniversary of it. And I was going to... I always do a half hour at the end. And a friend of mine was getting into audio recording. And he was like, can I record you yeah so we did it as a test run and i just did the half hour and it went okay but then that's how i got the bug and i was like let's do a full album and so we did it a second time and so f- full album like timelines was that like you- i specifically wanted to do 40 minutes 40 minutes um, okay because if I had done an hour, it would have been fine, but it would have been pulling from the well of jokes that I don't really believe in anymore, and I wouldn't have been too happy about it. You buffer that shit with like laugh track in between. Like everyone's just laughing for like two minutes. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, all right, yeah. guys, please stop laughing. Okay, I got another joke. No, stop up. it, stop it. Yeah, we, that didn't happen. So, <laughs> so we did. Uh, so I did 40 minutes, and I was happy about it, and then found out uh, that we had lost all the audio. Ooh. And I'm not popular enough to fill a room. For a third time, you know, let alone just the two times we did it. So I happened to record it on my cell phone, and then we ended up editing that audio, and that was oh wow, yeah. And so that was Wait, a whole, so how does it like okay, this, this is crazy to me. So like what it's in your pocket or like it was uh, sitting it was sitting out recording, so it was out in the audience, sort of. It was close to the audience, so it picked up like the speakers. So it picked up yeah, just what was coming out of the out of the speaker. And we couldn't use anything recorded because we were also recording it on a camera and we couldn't use that audio because it didn't match up and it didn't have the full tape. Mm-hmm. So it was a thing. It was a whole thing. But uh, a friend of mine edited it. And it's one of those like when you hear what it sounded like on the phone versus what he did in the editing room, you're like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. But if you just hear it, you're still like, it's kind of hard to hear a little bit. But we did it. And then I went uh, and then I self-produced it uh, and distributed it through uh, CD Baby. Uh, CD, I know CD Baby. I know, I know the, uh, yeah, the guys who started it. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. cool. CD Baby is awesome. Yeah, they they were great. And then I, uh, for the marketing part, I was like, all right, no one in New York cares really. Like my friends do, but like no one's really going to care too much. So I went home to Maryland and I uh, focused on like I focused on one specific market, and I got on like my local news and uh, I tried to get in the newspaper, it didn't work, but got in the local news and just you know promoted like it that made, way you made appearances as like a comic. yeah to yeah. promote it and i had a friend who at that time was a news anchor and he helped out a little bit and i really wanted to get number one on itunes that was my goal so you know financially i should have been plugging amazon and pandora and everything else but i really wanted everything to be focused through itunes and then it debuted at number you one were on still iTunes. getting a financial return but just not as big is that what you're saying well, or just I, not it wasn't going to be spread across as much yeah yeah yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, and but did it debuted at number one on iTunes and it was really cool. So the plan That's worked awesome. and everything. Yeah, and it was great. And it was up there for two days and then dropped to like third and then just poof, disappeared <laughs> and then it was gone. 
Uh, but it was, it was cool because it was another fairly popular comic who had an album come out and beat him. And I was like, oh, all right. All right. Thank you, Marilyn. Like, thanks for helping me out there. Uh, so anyway, the the whole point of going through that, I feel like you had to just know the backstory of how chaotic the uh, album was. But one of the reasons that I did it was, yeah, I wanted to retire with some, ter- some material. And a lot of comics I know in New York that are doing albums are just comics that I really respect. And they're kind of the next, they're like the next step thing, you know, so we can't quite do a special, but we can do an album. And yeah. I don't know, as a comedian, it, it feels cool to... What is the difference, like, for lay people like me? What, what the hell's the difference between an album and a special? Well, special's uh, recorded. Uh, like, it's it's a, a video. Video, you yeah. Know? I okay, mean, that's, so... that's the biggest thing, yeah. Okay. Uh, and some, some people, like, like say, Bill Burr has a Netflix special out, an album follows it, and it's the same thing. It's just an audio recording, so you can hear it in your car or whatever. Yeah. But just, I don't know, I, I like the album because it's, it's something that's been in comedy for so long, and it was one of the first ways you could fine comedians you know you, you put you bought the vinyl and you played it and your family got around they listened to it and I'm not saying i have any vinyls but it's just cool to be a part of that history in a weird way and what was yeah. kind of interesting like your album essentially is just one straight take overall right like because yeah, with that with one specials was, yeah. you know i mean i know comics that like maybe film three four shows mm-hmm. and it gets cut together they're wearing the same you know you outfit the you know all four shows haircut, so that way yeah. You, yeah so you can cut it together yeah um you know, because one delivery might be better on one show versus another. Maybe the laughs are like whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I find that very fascinating that yours is like legit. Just one. You did it. And, you know, it was that because we messed up, <laughs> you know, I mean, that ultimately. It, we, so I also was branding it as a live album, uh, which is funny because I'm not edgy. I'm not going to say anything that really offends anybody. So it wasn't like live where it's like, oh, we're going to catch him saying something ridiculous. But it was cool to have like a live uh, promoting it as a live album, which was was really fun. But most people try and record it twice, and they cut it together. And the yeah. next one I'm going to do, I'm definitely going to try and do that. And uh, so, are you in the midst of planning that, or like where 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 are you at with the stages? Yeah. So I uh, my my goal is to record it in Portland, Maine, because that's one of my favorite places to perform. Uh, I love the the comics there. I love the audiences there. And I'm hoping to do that in May or June. Uh, but I'm right now in the planning process of okay, I need to get that date in, and then filling up. Uh, time leading up to that so i can practice it and make sure it's polished and everything yeah and you know what's what's kind of interesting to me getting to know you in this in these past few episodes that we've done together um that you guys can check out uh is this idea that you're not afraid to call upon favors Hmm. I, i like i i feel like you would be a shitty comic if you weren't able to just kind of reach out yeah whether it's cold calling or like you said with your friends that are uh news anchors or whatever um, you made that call. Like you didn't, you, you had the wherewithal, like you could have, like, I know people that would reach out to somebody and kind of be like, do it all half-assed of like, Hey man, um, how you doing? And as opposed to just like asking right away, like, like how can we do this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Hey, I've got yeah, a comedy yeah. album coming out. What can we do? Well, I, I mean, I don't ask. Yeah, I do. I mean, that definitely was asking favors, but I mean, I, I don't ask favors of, uh, or I try to at least, you know, you always have your moments, but I, I try and to look at it more as like collaborating and people that I've been supporting and people that want to support me. So, you know, my buddy was a news anchor, but we like grew up together, went to high school together and we've always supported, uh, like he was in a band. So we, you know, we just, just did it. So when I reached out to him to help, it was like, how can, like, what's the best way to make this happen? You know? Yeah. And he was like, Oh, this will be great. Like you're local. Like it's so, you know, at the same time he gets something out of it. It was like, Oh, we have a story. This is great. We have a story that we can do. And then I uh, did an interview and it was, it was a lot of fun, but 
I always try and make sure it's seen more as like a collaboration and I try not to make it a one way street. You know, like if mm-hmm. someone helps me out, I want to try and help them out in any way that I can as well. Uh, just depending on what that is, you know, uh, so cause I can't necessarily, so like, uh, I'm going to Denver in March and this guy helped me get every single show I have booked in Denver. And recently he was like, Hey, do you have any contacts in Chicago? And I was like, I, I can't help you at all. I have no contacts, but I did send him a list of contacts that like, I don't have any relationship with them, but another friend that I have from Chicago helped me out. So that's what I mean. It's like I try not to just make it take, take, take. You want to make sure there's a balance and everything. Yeah, exactly, because your life is going to be short-lived if that's yeah. your reputation. People pick up on stuff quick. I mean, you, you yeah. can you can maybe get away with it for six months to a year. but Maybe. Now, nowadays. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, maybe not even that, but yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. What other questions you got? Yeah, I get you. I get you. I get you. It's still rolling. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so kind of shifting gears and sort of going back to the, the beginning when we talked about you moving. Uh, mm-hmm. th- what is the difference in terms of the scene between New York and LA? Yeah, you know, I mean, you got two completely opposite coasts, and you know, you look at like. You know, there's a surfer attitude in California. At least that's what people associate with. Whereas, like New York, New York state of mind type of thing. So, like, I imagine comedy's different. Yeah, it's definitely different. Uh, I mean, and I'm still fairly new to the LA scene, but from just from the the few shows I've done and what I what I've gathered from it over the years of visiting and, and all that, um, I've you know, it's it's New York is massive. <laughs> I mean, not saying LA's small or anything, but like New York is is such a big scene, and there are pocket scenes within it like it's such a big city that there you know you can only perform the lower east side for three years you know and there's enough work there that you can keep doing that uh but that's because new york has a lot of uh bar shows we have a lot of bar shows and there's what's what constitutes a bar show explain that well you know there's a i mean just not calling it an open mic usually is the difference but uh you know they're open they're open mics but they're branded as open mics and that's where you go and you practice a bar show, uh, usually there's a producer. Uh, the bar is aware that you're going to be there. Sometimes. And, uh, you know, some shows are really good independent rooms, um, like the Knitting Factory. Like, it's, you know, it's quote-unquote a bar show, but it's not. It's this massive mm-hmm. deal, right? Uh, I've noticed that L.A. doesn't seem to really have that. So there seems it seems to be hard to be a young comic, like just starting out, I mean, in L.A., as opposed to New York, where New York you can get the opportunities. You can do as many mics as you want a night. You can get on some bar shows, and you can keep practicing for when you're ready for the clubs and for some of the bigger independent rooms. Uh, on the other side, with L.A., because they don't, at least from what I've seen, they haven't had those bar shows, you might be going and doing a club much earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in that regard, because all the headliners kind of live here, or the guys that are on TV and on Netflix, you could be on a show with some of the biggest deals in comedy. Yeah. Uh, and not saying you don't that doesn't happen in New York, but I feel like when say like Rory Scoville comes to New York, he's doing a theater. You know, he's not doing our our bar shows and our independent rooms as much. But here, he's doing the clubs and he's doing stuff with comics just starting out. So I guess that's probably the biggest difference I've seen between the two. Yeah, I mean, uh, not that I'm not no expert at all, but I also do think like. I think it's expanded beyond just New York and LA. Um, so meaning I, I am friends with like Adam Carolla mm-hmm. and he did a whole movie called road hard, which is, is based on his life of like, you know, you used to get like comedy special or you're like you, you were part of something or whatever else. And now it's kind of going back to the days of you have to be on the road. If you want to be a comic, you got to get back on the road. 
Well, it depends on what you want to do in comedy. You know, some people, um, they want to more so be a TV personality than they do want to, like, mm-hmm. write the perfect joke or whatever it is. And, you know, so I, there's there's that. But I think if you want to... Well, and it also comes down to, do you, do I want to make money doing comedy? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would imagine, and, who doesn't? And Yeah, right. But that's, that's uh, I think, where the road comes into play. Because if you just want to be a working stand-up comedian... Uh, you really have to do the road pretty often because that's where the money is. But at the same time, it's it's a it's a grind, you know. And you, yeah. you might not have that uh, that home life that you want or or whatever it is. But I think ultimately what it comes down to is what your goal is in comedy. Like, is is stand up a uh, stepping stone to go into acting for you, uh, or do you want to have a sitcom, or you know, what or do you want to write or whatever it is? So taking all the questions you just asked, let me kind of reverse them and flip them on you. Mm. You know, is this a stepping stone? Do you want to be an actor in a sitcom? Like what? Yeah. What's the goal of the stand-up? Well, so that, kind of like what the very first question was that we started with, uh, that's kind of what the next six months is uh, all about, is figuring out a lot of things that I've kind of ignored, I think. You know, finding a new market, what I want to really do in comedy. Um, and, you know, I, I know when I first started, uh, you're like, all right, I'm getting SNL. I'm doing all this stuff. And then the goals get a little bit more, okay, well, let's, let's do something more obtainable at the moment, you know. Uh, right now... I just I really like just working the road and just working on this album and being a, a head a head ultimately a headliner comic. Uh, you know, if a sitcom came my way, I wouldn't say no. I would like to get back to uh, screenwriting a bit more. Like I I used to do that a lot and I've, I've moved away from it. Uh, but I don't. You know, I guess my ultimate goal is I would love to have a special out, and mm-hmm. I think the only way for me to do that is if I just keep focusing on on stand up at the moment. But I don't necessarily have aspirations to act uh i did at some point but right now i really just want to uh do stand up and but make... you're also not one of the like if an opportunity came of like all right we're gonna put you on this sitcom oh, it's not, not gonna like you're no. gonna be like no no i want to be a comic yeah 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 of course i mean i'd be thrilled if the opportunity came my way but at the moment um you know i'm not submitting to go on auditions i'm not submitting packets or anything like that i'm just focusing on stand up at the moment and mm-hmm. then i think you know once i, I finish the next album because uh, that's also the next album is also about retiring kind of the last two years of my life, you know, like going through a breakup, figuring figuring out who I was and uh, who I was outside of the relationship and everything. I kind of want to just retire that material and then go, OK, so cool. So we got two albums. Uh, we have all this material that we just worked on and then figure out, like, do I want to start focusing on the next step of like maybe being a TV personality or, or whatever it is. But I uh, at the, in the mean at the present, I just want to focus on being a stand up comedian. All right. I think yeah. that's very admirable. I think sometimes like people just. They have so many ambitions that, you know, that they're left spinning every which way and then don't end up going anywhere. Yeah. And that's something I kind of, I used to stress myself out and I was like, all right, I got to have two pilots written and I have to have a podcast and I have all this stuff. And I, I sort of tried that and doing stand up, but I was noticing that I wasn't good. I wasn't doing great at any of them because I was spreading myself thin and I was just stressing myself out. So I made a decision like, let's just get very good at one thing. Mm-hmm. And then once you feel that you're, you're good at it, then we can start trying the other things because you're going to be bad at it for a little bit until you get good. So yeah. let's just know that we have something that we can rely on as your talent and then move to the next project. Awesome. Yeah. Um, any final things you want to share before we wrap it up? Uh, uh, too much going on. Just uh, keep an eye out for the next album. Uh, it is going to be called The Pride of Hagerstown. <laughs> uh, it, it's based on... So when I first started touring in 2018... Uh, I, I did a show back home, and there's a town next to mine called Funkstown. Okay. And it's tiny, tiny, tiny little town. And I'm doing this... Uh, Not that yours is that big to begin no, with. No, I mean, it's only like 100,000 people. This one's even even tinier. And 
the guy that host was introducing me, and he was like, guys, this guy's in from New York. His album came out at number one on iTunes. Give it up for the pride of Hagerstown. And, and I posted on Facebook, and a buddy of mine that I went to high school with went, uh, wow, well, uh, congrats. You finally knocked off the Roy Rogers across from the Goodwill downtown by the police station as the pride of Hagerstown. And after he said that, it, I mean, it made me laugh so hard. And so I kind of... All right, so you're the pride of Hagerstown. So yeah, so keep an eye out for the pride of Hagerstown coming out. Uh, and also, you can follow me on Instagram because I am touring back across the country. And I'm going to be in Georgia, Tennessee, and North Carolina for the majority of... Uh, um, April, mm-hmm. and then hopefully I'm heading back up to New England in May and June and finishing finishing the album up. Uh, but yeah, you can follow me uh, in case I'm coming to a city near you. I'll be in Kansas City, uh, Denver, uh, St. Louis. I'm going to be not all over Kansas the place. City, Kansas. No, Missouri. Yeah. Okay. Found Good out to know. Big difference. Found Teaching out big everyone difference. Ge- geography. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm learning it myself. I like. I'm like, oh, I bet Palm Springs and uh, <laughs> and, and Denver are close. You know, <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, all right. Well, now I know how maps work. But I mean, theoretically, they're, I mean, depends, you know, in the grand scheme of the see. universe, yeah. yeah. Well, when you're drive, driving, I guess, makes a difference. But yeah, so you can follow me at Will Abel's Comedy on Instagram, and then you can find out if I'm coming to a uh, city that you'd like to see me in. If Sometimes I'll be headlining, sometimes I'll be showcasing, but should be fun all around. All right, well, on that note, thank you for joining me. Uh, Thanks for having me. Definitely check out his uh, his stuff, all the stuff that we highlighted. One more time, just just give us uh, the laundry cool. list of all the stuff. So if you want to check out the, the album, it's uh, Regrets of My Father. And you can check it out on iTunes or Pandora or technically Spotify, but please don't do it on iTunes. It doesn't support him as much financially. It doesn't support me as much financially. Uh, you can do that. You can follow me on Instagram at Will Abel's Comedy. You can follow me on Facebook at Will Abel's Comedy. And you can follow me on Twitter at Will Abel's. And if you're looking for the next album, keep an eye out for The Pride of Hagerstown. Uh, hopefully that'll be uh, end of the year. will right. hopefully be when it's out. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm at Phil Svitek. Thank you for joining me. I, I appreciate you being a guest host on the various episodes as well. So you can check those out as well. Um, and until next time.